0: Doing Welcome to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, which is actually a podcast that I, Toby Haydoke, was doing millennia ago, and then I woke up and found out that this other guy called <laughs> Joe was doing a podcast uh, called a hamster with a blunt pen knife and it's my podcast. I was here before Joe not really but that would be a thorny moral conundrum and I'm sure there'll be similar thorny moral conundrums as Joe and I negotiate our way through episode 7 of Doctor Who and the Silurians. Hello Joe, welcome to your podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Um I got to say that I did try, you know, when I first died hamster I did two stories where I did the commentaries on my own, And may I say, I salute you, sir, <laughs> for being able to have done as many episodes as you have, because I found that exhausting.
0: Uh, I don't like it about myself that I can talk uh, at such length without sort of needing anybody else. It's i'm I'm dubious about that. i And I have to say, do you know what uh, the, the pilot, <laughs> such a thing, which will never be heard. I totally forgot about this. Do you know what the original idea for the commentaries was going to be? Was I was going to do them with my dog. I have a lovely dog called Bernard. And what I was doing, I would sort of do it where I'd go and we. I did the crotons as the first one. I just said, uh, and it was sort of like, oh, who's that actor, Dad? And i go, ah, well, you see, this actor is uh, James oh, wow. Cameron Cross. And, 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 and so I would have it as a sort of duologue. But where i would play both bernard and myself and and i found as with a lot of things as with must say my doctor who scarf which started off as a very convoluted thing with jokes that work backwards and all that sort of thing actually if you strip away all the clever clever stuff and just get to the heart of it yeah. which you know my my friend who directed must said just get to you know the joy of you know what doctor who brings to your personal life and your relationships and all of that the same with the commentary you know let the joy and the enthusiasm shine through. you don't need to pretend to be talking with your dog much as I love my dog and much as I think I could have made a cult figure of him it you know it was it was labored and it was hard and it and it, and it stopped me it kind of put the brakes on because I was thinking about the dog and me uh, and I, I was filming it as well so I was also having to stop the dog from moving uh, that that it you know it was it was a barrier to what you need, which is sort of fluidity uh and i mean i say uh too much i know there are people who do things properly who would probably go through and get rid of all of their ums and ahs well i'm afraid i'm Tony not listening life I'm, is I'm, too I, short i expect people to listen to my podcast but i don't expect me to be one of them so there's no way i'm going to go through chopping out my ums and ahs i don't do them in the in the other two the, the scripted ones you know which are which are read and, and performed so hopefully much more sort of um uh, fluid and articulate that, and and articulated. But uh, for the commentaries I had to do something that was you know, it's unrehearsed. I haven't I haven't done any research beforehand. It's just what it's just what you get. You get the unfiltered, this is what I know and this is what I think. And and maybe sometimes and this is what has happened to me today or in the world of Doctor Who today or what was happening when I watched this particular episode. Um and, and that's kind of the formula that was in 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 in, in Moths that the one's personal life informs so much of one's enjoyment of Doctor Who, and I think we can all, I, I hope we can all identify that, even if we haven't all had the same experiences, we know that there's a story we watched when our granddad died, for example, or we know that there's a story that we've, we've watched to get us over a broken heart, or we know, I know there's a story that I watched in black and white when there was a roaring fire and I got warm, rosy cheeks, and it was Doctor Who and the Silurians, so part of me when I'm watching this goes, this should be a black and white and I should be by an open fire with warm, <laughs> rosy cheeks, you know. Um, so... Uh, I can't remember what the first thing you said was, but I've clearly just given you a ten-minute monologue, which showed. Oh, it was that. It was how I managed to do it on my own. That's how, because I never shut up. <laughs> I don't like it, Joe. I actually, it makes me cringe. But I have to pretty, keep talking because yeah. otherwise, I'd think about how much I hate myself.
1: Well, with, <laughs> with hamster, obviously, that's always with somebody else. So it's it's to the listener it's like listening in on two mates having a conversation and that's like un- but with happy times and places i like the intimacy of it's like you're talking to me and I, that's oh. what i really like about that is it just feels like a I'm, I'm listening to you you know well that's very kind I, it actually sort of came from practical necessity because
0: obviously i do have guests but I get them to send in because I always feel a bit bad asking people. So this, the way of doing it was to say, well, you can record your stuff in your own time and you can send it audio or video or both or whatever you like, and you could do it however you like. And then there's no pressure. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. And it means they can do it whenever they like, and I can then use it whenever I like. We don't have to fit in at the same time, make an appointment, blah, blah. So it was all, it was all to make it as low maintenance as possible and for me to be as as little a burden on the person I was expecting to help me out uh, as possible so it was it was sort of born from practicality really i'm gobsmacked that anybody listens to it but i'm very pleased that at the at the, the, the the people who do who send you know nice and interesting f- feedback and and the number of people that do that uh, i have to say baffles but flatters me and it's very nice
1: well i'm um addicted <laughs>
0: well, well, well i mean i i i listen to you when I, I listen to hamster when i when i walk around the park with my dog i'm always sad if there isn't an episode to listen to because then i have to listen to some political podcast with some oh lord.
1: <laughs> well look, i think we've stroked each other's egos enough now all right <laughs> oh go? yes are we go into episode seven of doctor who and the silurians um shall we go into right well i have
0: to um i have to get my I've got my would you believe I've got my remote control on my telephone. Would you believe you can do that these days, Joe? With a tallest uh,
1: cover, it's marvelous.
0: Uh it's, yes. This is about the third the third one of these I've had. Uh and this, this literally this one came in the post today because the other one had sort of fallen to bits. So yes, I am now on oh, hang on. You know, I've got to I say, you now... know
1: you said about turning Bernard into a cult figure. Yeah. Have they... you all i love those pictures that you put out to patreons Ah, i think you've actually achieved that
0: that was i mean that was because yes on my patreon page i i i put something out on monday wednesday and friday and then i thought well just on tuesday i'll stick a picture of the dog uh and um they actually I, i looked at the you know you get the insights that they call it on the thing and sometimes more people (laughs) because <laughs> I think some people who are very kindly Patron me they still wait for the stuff to come out on iTunes they you know they're being patrons just because they're nice and that's the model that seems to work um and I'm not I'm not t- t- talking to delay I'm actually talking because um my internet seems to be playing up and is not loading up the episode um but but more but but if I put the episode, if I put when I put the picture of Bernard up that that sometimes gets more downloads and views. Than than a podcast I've painstakingly put together. But I suppose it
1: only takes a second to look at a picture. It's animals, I'll tell you what, they're always still the limelight. So let's get going then in five, four, three, two, one. And I want to hit you with a question from Jack Coyer, who says it's a nice contrast that for a predominantly earthbound era, the third doctor is one of the nicest doctors towards aliens mm. do you think the first and second doctor would be more belligerent in favor of the humans
0: it's it's funny isn't it we sort of accept and reject we cherry pick our doctor who morality it always amuses me when people sort of today uh, you know i think of doctor who as a very liberal show because i am an anti-racist anti-homophobia everybody should be treated the same woolly bloody liberal um Uh, And so, of course, I take I I interpret Doctor Who in that way. Um, But you cannot deny that Doctor Who does largely blow up things that (laughs) that are a different color. Um, uh, And, you know, the the macro terror, you know, he doesn't think, hang on, the crabs used to live here. It's the humans that have come. (laughs) And, you know, he just goes, their crabs blow them up. Um, Obi
1: Trands the worst for it.
0: Tra- 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 I know he he gets away with murder because he capers <laughs> about like a little schoolboy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the seeds of death with the, the, the amount of ice stories yeah. he totals. Um and but I I mean I also find that quite interesting. I'm 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 interested in the hypocrisy of liberalism. I'm aware that I can afford my liberalism because I never really have to put it to the test which is why I I give quite short shrift to uh, you know, very bossily enunciated liberalism of of the kind that we see often d- d- replacing discourse these days. When you sort of think, well, it's it's all, all very well that you say that, but actually there are there are hypocrisies within within uh, you know the, the, even the liberalism of Doctor Who, because essentially he has to he has to kill he has to kill people. Now, oh, this by the way, Private Upton doesn't get credited. Uh, and that's because it's Simon Kane who plays one of the Silurians and he's curly in, uh, in the episode episode one of uh, enemy of the world as well but i used to i was used to be furious going, hang on there's a speaking part here and he doesn't get a credit and i i, I needed to know who that actor was and when i found out it was ah oh, okay that's fair enough he gets credit as the silurian but as an actor i'd be going can i not be credited as the man <laughs> 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 but clearly they looked in the script and went there's this part we could we could actually get one of the other guys to do it and obviously you're going to want to get your face seen but uh, and he gets a name but he doesn't get a credit. Um. And then there's Corporal Nutting in this who does get a credit, even though all of his lines have been cut. And he's just like a sort of support. Anyway, that's only the sort of thing that interests
1: me. <laughs> um, I love it. Don't, don't stop. The the, uh, the
0: the liberalism thing I, I, I find very interesting because I have obviously cast Doctor Who as a show that is about understanding. A, Darrow is as cool as fuck here. Sorry, I don't. I swear. But the way he gets, he notices something wrong. He gets his gun out. He looks around. This is, you know, avon calling um he's, he's he does that really <laughs> well um and again he doesn't die in the book i don't think so i was very very surprised when he gets killed in a bit um but anyway uh, uh, right yes so the liber- yes it's uh, it's it's uh, and so it, it it also amuses me when people you know when somebody says something that people don't agree with uh they go have they not learned from the lessons of the, the show that they love and you go what well, I mean, you blowing can take up the other. You, you, you can take <laughs> lots of different lessons from Doctor Who if you if you really want to, and and I think the main one is don't lose your sense of humour. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I I do fall into the camp that says Doctor Who is at its best when it is a show about you know acquiring knowledge and cross cultural understanding, which leads you to be a better person. Uh, and, and leads us to have more interesting lives if we avail ourselves of the vast spectrum of opportunities that a, a, a various universe of beings and experiences a, a, a affords us, rather than being, you know, the baddies in Doctor Who tend to be very narrow-minded and tend to have no sense of humour. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, Pertwee, only, Pertwee is only afforded his liberalism because he's got somebody else to do the shooting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. so it's it, it 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 you know it's 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 a rocky boat that Doctor Who's morality is on.
1: I mean I do get what he's saying to a point. He tries to negotiate here in the Sea Devils Curse of Peladron that I watched the other day, he's very charming with all the different aliens, although he's a little bit racist towards the Ice Warriors, isn't he? <laughs>
0: Yes, but I think, but again, that's that's deliberate. That's to show, you know, his his flaw. That's that, you know, that's mm. deliberately to sort of show, oh, the doctors made a mistake there, and as have you, because you have judged the ice warriors from all the other ice warriors, and they're not all the same. Um, I I love the pertweer of that. I love I love Barry Letts shining through. You know, the the benevolent Buddhist liberal Barry Letts, who wanted us to think about those sorts of things, and a Malcolm Hulk, who, you know, was was not afraid to to lampoon his own side as well as you know have a go at what he saw as you know um unnecessarily sort of right-wing patriotic attitude but but again he had a he had a nuanced take on it. It, it it you know a doctor is is at its worst when it wags any drum is at it worst when it wags its finger um but i i, I think um... i think all of this stuff is done quite artfully you know
1: with the right, I'm thinking of like IMC in comic mm. space. You've got Bernard Kay's character to add some balance. With yeah. the left in Invasion of the Dinosaurs, you've got is it Mark who's yeah. there to add a bit of balance. So
0: yeah, well, I think that's the lovely thing. You know, that's that's Hulk being because Hulk was very left wing. But the the arseholes in Invasion of the Dinosaurs are the ones who, again, who do what I was just sort of, you know, pat themselves on the back. But they're very nice, liberal people, but they won't think twice about wiping out people that don't share their views. You know, and, and again, that is a, I'm afraid that is a lesson for our times today.
1: Yeah. I'll never know? stop quoting that Terence Dix line. What is it? Uh, the left wing um, fascists. We're going to do terrible things for you but it's for your own for your good. Own good. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Uh, and I say that as somebody that considers themselves to be off the left, you know, you should never be, you should never be blind to, to, to the faults of your, because, because there is no certainty. The ones that are certain are the Daleks and they're the bad guys. You've, yeah. you've got to be aware that every moral judgment that you make actually involves some sort of compromise at some point, even a compromise of your own morality, because, Because otherwise, you're a dictator, you know.
1: Well, talking of compromised morality, uh, the lovely Simon Hart would like to ask Ah. you, was the Brigadier's actions at the end justified? Um, Well... (laughs) You knew someone was going to ask that one.
0: It's such a tricky one because... um, I mean, it's, it's the brilliant tragedy at the heart of the story... Because in the sense that, because the the warlike Silurian prospered, because the Silurians gave way to their worst tendencies, and the young Silurian kills the old Silurian, uh, he he is then, you know, hoisted by his own petard. You know, his own attitudes are, are the, the, the humans. You know, are are perfectly reasonable in saying, well, if you're going to try wipe us all out with the plague, you know, don't blame us. For, you know blowing up your caves yeah, or, yeah. or, or whatever so, so in a way the story gets itself out of trouble because we don't kill the old silurian uh it would have been a very different if you know if the old silurian had been there going well oh, i'll just freeze everyone and then i'll come out and you know, and, and, and shake you by that. And then the Brigadier blew up the side. <laughs> that would be, that would be very, very difficult. So, so, but of course it's Doctor too it's Tea Time Entertainment. It, 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 the show, um, you know, the the show gives us the ending that it needs to give us to leave the bitter taste, but also totally
1: understand
0: where it's come from. A mean that we can, we can have it the same space as the the Brigadier, um, The Doctor's
1: so appalled though, isn't he? Like,
0: oh, Darrow being cool, um, uh, the Doctor is a and and I mean it's you know it's the nature of this sort of show that he then needs to be, I mean he does mention it next week, doesn't he? He Goes well, I suppose the Brigadier's got something to do now he's blown up the Silurians, Um but you know the Doctor has to compromise because he's the only person. Brigadier's the only person that's going to give him somewhere to live.
1: Uh... I li- I like the fact that he throws to Liz what you knew. Yeah. Yeah. She looks appalled at that. Um, well, Chris Huggman asked then on, on that note, should there have been a reason why the Doctor stays with Unit after the ending, or is this handled in subsequent stories enough?
0: Uh, I don't want the overhanging dynamics between the central characters to get in the way of the story myself. I understand now that we have arcs, and we sometimes have, you know, the Doctor and the Companion having a grudge with each other over the course of three episodes, and then something will happen. that will be, and I understand that, and all that works, and it's done, been done very well in the new series. You know, with that, that that scene between him and Clara and Kill the Moon, I think is fantastic. You know, and and that has ramifications over the next few episodes. But my preference, and it's maybe just due to my upbringing, is that if not a reset button, I I don't need the I don't really need the regulars' personal problems. Hanging over this week's brand new adventure, I want to know who you're introducing me to, what planet we're on, what the monsters are, what the threats are. I don't want them blubbing about the fact that they were mean to each other last week. Do you know what I mean? Get over it on your on your on your. Now, obviously, the death of Adric is quite. I was to that that was of, my one that I was going to pick. pick. You no, know, you
1: had. I mean,
0: and even that's kind of swept aside. I, I would, I would kind of have done that at the end of the season, maybe. And yeah. then and then started up again some you know, time later. Months later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and obviously the death of the doctor—that's a consequence that you have to deal with as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Time. But but I you know I I I don't kind of I I watch Doctor Who to sort of you know as 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 as, as, as to escape from. Uh, you know the, the the difficulties of everyday life and a lot of the difficulties of everyday life are, are dealing with people and relationships and you know relationships at work and, yeah. and, and also in in every other program you get you get you know people being unfaithful to their partner or uh, um uh you know arguments with the boss and all of that sort of thing and i i like doctor Who to take me somewhere a bit more metaphysical and metaphorical and 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 sort of exciting and i And I don't sort of need that baggage, if you like, which is odd, because then I love it when there's a reference made to something that happened in 1967. So, again, I'm compromising my own morality uh, in terms of my very, my very contradictory worldview. All at the end of the day, it goes down to your gut, really.
1: You know, and I tend to agree with you. I prefer to leave that sort of um, domestic drama to one side and just get on with the adventure. But, you know, um, one of the most successful iterations of the show when Rusty Davis was in charge married the two
0: yes and and Brilliant. I love every minute of what Russell T Davis does and I think he sprinkles that stuff into it so artfully but but what Russell does is he never loses that sense of fun really yeah now I think there's an argument to say they might get a little bit smug in that in that second season but but then that is deliberate you know you could say that's deliberate because then they are rent asunder and it's a whole I think that's slightly retconned to be honest but I you know it does make a certain sort of sense but it's never po. the beauty of Russell's Doctor Who is it's never po-faced it's never again watching some of the American stuff that I like for different reasons there's a lot of sort of po-facedness and everybody taking their honor and relationships and all that sort of very very sort of sternly and earnestly and and I and Doctor Who has a sense of sort of zeal about it that it should that it should never lose so it, so within that sort of baggage stuff it, it should always be sort of peppy and exciting I have to say but I love my Doctor Who to be wearing eccentric clothes but I have to say John Pertwee in a white t-shirt I know I've, I've I've never been into bat for your team uh Joey but uh uh if if uh if if if, if Pertwee was on the subs bench I might join him <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, there's um, always been a little bit of something about Pertwe, you know, but I think this might be his best look.
0: Well, my my ex, the the mother of my children, I, I was with her when we when they repeated this, you know, on BBC Two when they did that aborted repeat season, and she actually, I was quite I was quite chuffed because she thought John Pertwee in a white t shirt was quite sexy, and I was
1: like, oh my 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 Mrs. Fancies Doctor Doctor Who, that woman anything from, to get her uh... into it more than 30 years in the TARDIS would we'll be having a commission fit right now, wouldn't she, watching this? You know, the one yeah. who says he's so damn sexy. so damn sexy, yeah. <laughs> but, but
0: with with what? A white T-shirt and a pair of white trousers. Again, only Pertwee, you know. Only bit Well, he was in the buff in the last one. He was, wasn't he? And he's, got a, he's got a tattoo. Who is it that says that? Have you got any tattoos? Who says that? That's in <laughs> something. What's that in? Uh, oh, I can't remember. Oh, no, is it Rocky no. Horror Show?
1: Does doesn't Frank refer oh, to say you you have, Janet, tattoos, have you got brats. any tattoos? <laughs> 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 oh, gorgeous. Well, look, okay, Darren McKay asks, Does this story present the thorniest moral dilemma in Doctor Who? Well, I and I shall
0: say hello to Darren Mackay, because I know he liked it that I pronounced his surname correctly once. Uh
1: he's just Fulton Mackay. Do you remember do you remember I said to you I had a dealer in Scotland? Oh yeah. That's him. He's the one that sent me the copy of Doctor Who and the Silurians. He got in oh, touch. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I Darren Is was he, my
1: uh, dealer of the HSs in the yeah, mid Yeah, you want
0: to... I've got a little bit of season 7 there, <laughs> thought, yeah. set you straight, you know.
1: <laughs> bless it. And do you know what? It was a pen friendship, you know, when you sort of answer uh, adverts on, on, in a yeah. magazine. It just started off like that, and he's like, well, I've got all these things, do you want me to copy them? And
0: oh, how lovely. Him. How kind.
1: I can't um, think of many Doctor Two stories, you know, that have a moral dilemma like this.
0: No, I think I think this is a particularly good one, which is why I think it's such an excellent and and an underrated story. Really, I think you know this is a this is a ten out of ten for me, and I I don't give many tens.
1: As a as a sort of contrast, then when we do this again in the Sea Devils, Bertie basically goes, "Well, I had to blow them up. You know, there was no <laughs> alternative." Yeah.
0: I really enjoyed the Sea Devils last time we did it, but I I don't think it's as rich as this. I no. think it's it's got many different uh, great things about it. But I, you know, if I'm thinking of you know high end Doctor, I think the Sea Devils is 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 a an excellent example of really good Doctor Who. But I think this is a, a this is a prime cut. This is way goo Doctor Who. It's, <laughs> I think I just think it's... this is grass fed Doctor Who <laughs> that has been
1: massaged. It's just more. Interesting storytelling, yeah. And it's look at him, he's hard. so
0: good. He can lie under a table and do wires, and he just looks fantastic.
1: He looks hot as hell.
0: You'd like to be that table, would you, Jerry? <laughs> <I would, yeah.
1: laughs> he can untangle my he wires any day.
0: Rewire me, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and he's also, you know, he's got um, sort of uh, season seven Buffon at this point as well. His hair's under control.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's it's it's a kind of normal, and it's a sort of more steely grey, isn't it? It goes it goes a bit Mrs. Slocum later, but he's uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's...
1: he still pulls it off though. Oh,
0: he is effortless. He is again. I do, I'm not sure we produce people who have such sort of natural presence and elegance and style. He's just one of those people. You could you could put anything on that man, and he would he would still just look. I mean, if you if you put some of his clothes on somebody who didn't have that innate presence and posture and all of that, they you see it sometimes where where, where you can see people have dressed like a Victorian or Edwardian dandy, but what they do is they look like someone who lives in with their mum who's been crammed into something from Oxfam and I would I, I would I have I have tried to, to 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 sort of dress in a way that I think is elegant and it doesn't hang off me right I'm not a stylish man and in fact when I when I went into Cory and I played Fergus I I I said to them I want him to be a, a a a beige man who thinks he's a kaleidoscope so that we put him in waistcoats and quite and shirts that on John Pertwee would have looked amazing, but on me looked shit. Uh, so it was an attempt to be sort of you know eccentric and 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 smart and interesting. And actually, I t- I looked I looked rubbish. But that, was, that was the point.
1: Because <laughs> oh, Pertwee, God, right. could, he even looks cool in a bloody jumpsuit. Yeah, and I don't know. What I and a He's made the decision, and including what he wears, nothing's absurd in this show. No, I, I'm the most stylish man. I'm the most competent. I'm the smartest man in the room. I mean, I couldn't believe it in Day of the Daleks. I've forgotten this scene where the Ogron came in. And he's holding that drink and he yeah. chops he chops the soldier on the head and he takes a swig of the drink. I oh love God. it. So cool. That's such a good job, <laughs> uh, we we
0: never did Darren Mackay's question, did we? <laughs> Is this the thorniest moral dilemma in Doctor Who? Oh, haven't we had one like that? I suppose. Ah, oh, that's that's Keith Ashley at the desk. He was an extra in loads, he's one of the zygons. Um uh I think we decided uh, yes. It's. I think it yes. Yes, we did. We did answer the question. Is the uh, it's the answer? Yes. I think it probably is. I suppose. Do I have the right in Genesis of the Daleks? Is a similarly thorny dilemma. Uh, and again, you know, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, true that that is one of the most oft uh, cited. You know, examples of Doctor Who being thoughtful and intelligent. That you know, do I have the right? Would you go back and kill a child? And you know, if if you had a file that could kill everything, would would you use it? You know, it's all there. Look, there's a real confidence in these masks that they'll that they'll shoot them so close. And I love the fact that the mouths actually move a little bit because they've got clothes pegs on, haven't they? And they wobble, and it's it's just enough. I think uh, I
1: think it's great. And, and um, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna hit you with a couple of more questions. I'm going to try and squeeze them all in. Crashed dummy. Yeah. That's an interesting name. Asks, why do I find the only picture of Malcolm Hulk that they use in all the extras absolutely terrifying? It gives me genuine fear. Is he terrifying to look at?
0: Well, it's clearly because you hate uh, 50-year-old men with balding and with white (laughs) hair. Good good job this is only audio. (laughs) Um, Oh, look at this. Here we have it. The caves blow up. What a... And and it's and it starts with a lovely little joke of the of the little file of liquid that mends Bessie and you think, oh, this is going to be a cute uh, ending. And Liz is looking comically yeah. pissed off with the doctor's stupid car uh, and the doctor. And he does this lovely little thing where he traces the the, the liquid and it it's beautiful. I love that. And you'd sort of go, and now we're
1: going home.
0: No, instead, Brigadier's blown up the aliens.
1: Uh, In a way, you remember we talked about the Doctor not telling the Brigadier that Quinn had died? So, you know, he was a bit morally dubious there. Well, the Brigadier just said, stop, don't worry, Doctor, leave it with me. Off you go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's such such an unusual ending
1: for Doctor Who. Well, I mean. And and yet it's not a story I think of as depressing. No, well, it's not an unusual as in it's ending with an explosion because that happens every other week, but it's yeah, not but it's the doctors making it or choice. and
0: it's it's not a triumphant explosion, yeah. Uh... and And Pertwe does this really well, and she's great when she says, "No, I no, I didn't know."
1: Asshole. i i love what barry let says about this in the commentary where um apparently the dialogue was different and there was no reference to the fact that they'd been murdered and he said no make it explicit make the doctor say beautiful. that's murder beautiful
0: it's fantastic and it's you and know, what it's says there
1: about um you know the government were frightened these are the people the doctor's working for now
0: and i love the fact that he's going to drive again and you hear another explosion and it it makes him look up again uh and in the book i think and they it says they, they you know they drove home in silence or oh it's i that is such a good ending to a doctor who story bravo doctor who in 1970 uh, what a wonderful what a wonderful thing to do uh
1: do you know i think they they only just but they do top the ending in uh ambassadors of death because i just i just love how the doctor refuses to judge carrington at the end of that
0: yes i i remember my brother watching that and going oh that's a bit of a that's a bit of a damp squib and i i can understand that the ambassadors doesn't end in the traditional way because you know that yeah the, the main baddie doesn't get you know blown to bits or doesn't doesn't get his moment of you know in, in insanity where he has to threaten to kill somebody and get shot himself at the last minute but instead has that very yeah that 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 sort it's of very useful thing mm. you know, uh, where, where he shoots at the thing that he can't possibly kill and, and, and sort of begs the doctor to just give him give him an inch and the doctor very sweetly does
1: yeah it's wonderful
0: uh, it's a uh,
1: I do also think as well, you know, had uh, they changed the running of Inferno Ambassadors of Death, it would have made absolute sense for Liz Shaw to hang around because he leaves her at the end of that, doesn't he? He says, "Well, you're going to have help from Miss Shaw. Goodbye," and he walks off.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, lo- uh, yeah, I, I do love that ending for, for, for Ambassadors, but I think, I think, dramatically, yeah. this is a stronger ending. I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful and graceful thing that they do in Ambassadors, but in terms of dr- dramatic pleasingness, if you like. I think, I think Silurian has the edge. Uh, Well, you know, you've
1: got to remember, we've been, this has been on now for what, three and a nearly three hours. Like it's it's a long run in time. So it does need a bit of a punch at the end for it to go out. And it doesn't disappoint. It doesn't. great. Well, look, Toby, so you can go to bed at some point tonight. Um, Would you uh, please indulge me with the final choice of three things (laughs) Oh, I know we've covered a lot. Oh, yeah, so We've talked about a lot. Um, we'll do one a piece. Uh, oh, sorry, three a piece. You first, and then me. Yes, you know how this works.
0: Um. Well, I, I, I have to get in there. We've talked about it a lot, but I do think Pete, Peter Miles' death scene, but, but Peter Miles throughout, because it's been sort of simmering up to that point, but Peter Miles' death scene, I think, is one of the most marvellous things for, for reasons I've gone into at, at length and probably repetitively so uh, um, I, I, I think I'll say Peter Miles' death scene and you can say thank you that's what I wanted to know
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am going to say Tim Coom's direction mm. but for a specific reason this is the first time Doctor Who went into the studios in colour so he kind of had a lot to do and a, and a bit to proof. and I just think the whole story is shot very imaginatively like you know he's doing interior caves and things like that. suddenly in color, the details more noticeable and I don't think that detracts at all. um yeah, I just think it is you know it's a long bloody story mm. <laughs> and he keeps it visually interesting throughout and like has cast it brilliantly as well like it sort of on every level you can gauge a director. He scores there. Yeah.
0: He does. He does. I think we talk of him in much more hallowed terms if he directed. I mean, you know, Michael Ferguson, who is rightly lauded, only directed four stories. So, so if, if if Tim had had a couple more goes, I think he might be seen in in the you know. I think yeah. I think you know the classic series. You know, Ferguson is 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 the only sort of serious rival to those you know to those great uh, you know long running lauded uh, you know the Cam- Camfield and, and and Maloney and. Or at harper but he did only two but he did he did he did quite he he, he did two in a very different time and where the the, the 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 gulf of quality was much much bigger but i think you know i think ferguson is a serious rival to those guys and i think tim Coombe could have been had he come back and directed you know the, you know the, the the sea devils or the mutants uh and and then you know, one of the later stories in, in Invasion of the Dinosaurs or whatever.
1: You know, I mean, I think we've talked about season seven a lot, but I think a lot of its success is down to the fact that there are four terrific directors.
0: Yeah, in that yeah. sense. Yeah, all of season seven is really well directed, definitely. Um, well, I I have to go for my second thing of of the basic premise, which I think is one of the great ingenious ideas of Doctor Who storytelling, which is often comfortingly similar in the stories that it's trying to tell us. Uh, and, you know, it just dresses them in different uniform and and, and 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 speaks them with a different tongue. But this is a genuine attempt to go, well, why don't we do a thing where it's a sort of, we're the bad guys and that makes us think of all the sort of thorny moral issues that we've talked about. And it doesn't fudge them. Uh, it, it, it lays them out quite elegantly. Uh, it, it doesn't make it easy on itself. And yet it, it, you know, it gives us the young Silurian or, it, it, in order to give us that ending that we need to fit it within the format of the series. But I think it's really well, I think it's really well molded into the format of Doctor Who whilst doing, whilst, whilst, whilst engaging in a premise that is unusual and ingenious. And I mean, just a brilliant idea.
1: We, they were here first. Uh-huh. Get over it. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my second is, again, a bit obvious, but I've got reasons. Uh, John Pertwee, who from his very first scene is aware that he's the most impressive person in the room. <clears throat> and so are we. But it's not for those sort of moments. I love his um, relationship with Liz. And I think that sort of relationship of equals is really interesting. I love his conflict with the Brigadier and how seriously that's played at this point. It's not just all of a comic effect. I love how he needles Dr. Lawrence. Mm. Um, and I love how sweet he is with the old Silurian as well. Like that, mm. I, I was watching those scenes. And I, again, I'm only looking at body language because I couldn't hear any dialogue. But he's he's so sweet with him. And then I love his sort of moral indignation at the end. when It's just brilliant. It's unbelievable to think this is his second story. I think most actors playing the Doctor take a while to settle in. I certainly think Troughton did. Um, I even think Tom Baker did a little bit, but I think John Perkway just had it. He might have been bear, nervous, but he ain't showing it.
0: And and bear in mind, he I think prior to this, he had either never or only once done drama in a television studio. He'd done radio, he'd done film. Film acting is very different from multi-camera studio recording, which is a technically very difficult thing to do people who think you know go, oh, it's just acting and not bumping into the furniture actually knowing your camera uh knowing having to remember where to land and and all the little business that you've got that has to marry up and blah 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 uh, and and doing it as part of a continuous recording where if you go wrong you've got the whole thing and it has a domino effect it's a hugely technical exercise. irrespective of that you've then got to give a relaxed performance um, and and be good and funny and energetic and focused and remember all the stuff that you've rehearsed and give the performance that you want to give in in terms of interpretation. But actually, the practical thing of doing multi-camera acting is is not actually for the faint-hearted. Uh, and, the and this
1: that- is isn't this this is his first.
0: Yeah, because... Dramatic in a role
1: in the studio, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's his first dramatic role in the studio. I think yeah. the, the, he may have done an episode of something, but I, I think he'd done an episode of a comedy. I don't think he'd done an episode of a of a drama. So, it's yeah, and Spearhead's all on film. Spearhead's done like a movie. So, yeah, a, a, a man who was used to doing comedy, who was a bit nervous about doing mm. serious stuff, um, and he's the leading man... Mm. <laughs> You know, with you know, in a sort of two studio days every fortnight kind of situation, uh, where you have to get it all in the can, is you know, I take my hat off to him.
1: Well, I think if there was any doubt, go watch that scene again where um, he says to Major Baker, "You are ill. You're very, very, very ill," and very then he Ill. just screams, "Keep back!" From-. You know, he's yeah. Just brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is, and he's not—he's not amongst my favourite Doctors at all. But I'm—I'm. I'm, I'm I'm feeling a lot of Pertwee love this year, having gone back to a lot of his stories, um, ha- have having had a bit of a downer on him in in between seeing him first in the Five Faces of Doctor and loving him, uh, and then collecting all the videos and finding his ear a bit disappointing, and then getting over myself and and you know le- learning to love the Pertwee stuff, and I'm I'm so so enjoying. Uh, sort of re-, re reassessing yeah it's not that I didn't like it but I, you know the were, were and I always liked season seven but i'm I'm actually I'm actually warming to him uh so much more now and uh, and I wonder if he's going he was never near the bottom of my list but he was certainly not not near the top of my favorites either but oh, I, I can right find no, I can right. find no fault with him.
1: He's right at the top of my list. He's always been one of my favourites. has been sort of like my comfort doctor. That he's that authority figure I never had as a child. John Pertwee. You're in I safe think, hands with him.
0: I think it's the fact that he's just such a one-off. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's and and I mean, nobody could beat Tom Baker's description of him being a tall light bulb. You know, uh, and 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 he is.
1: I just can't, you know, anyone that can go, you know, hi, one second, and then be hypnotising, you know, a man in a monkey suit with a spinning mirror the next while singing a Venusian lullaby. It's
0: a class act. It is. So I have one more. You do. Uh pressure. Well, I mean, you've mentioned Tim Coon, but can I say the film...
1: Oh god damn it the location where i was
0: going to that, come on go i on. just love it, it but it, it speaks to so many other elements it does speak to the direction but it also speaks to is it is it fred hamilton the, the cameraman i think um i get my camera mixed up somewhere there's peter and there's sometimes there's peter and there's fred um now i'll find out it was tony lego but it's it's not aa englander um i think it's a hamilton um how does a bastard anyway um, uh, <laughs> uh, um uh, um, yes, we're, we're we're not throwing away that shot of Wenley Moore. Um, I, um, I, I, bec- it's partially because that f- they hold back the Silurian until the end of episode three, and I t- talked before about you know sometimes being a bit of a chore in a Dalek episode to wait for the Dalek, but this is this is a deliberate, slowly feeding out of the image of the which is just a man in a green suit but it's built it up so well and they're shot so well throughout the story anyway but i love all of that stuff of him coming out of the caves and silhouetted against the sun uh and 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 you see the slight arch in its back and 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 then the point of view shots and that's all film work but then you get the sweeping stuff on well anymore not you know we don't know drones in those days but they got a helicopter and all that stuff with you know, Dr. Lawrence, you know, and, and waving, and you, you get the real sweep of that, and the dogs and the soldiers in the distance, which gives it a real feel of sort of scale. And then you've got the stuff, uh, you know, at the train station and, and the death of masters, you know, the film the film camera work, it, 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 you know, the actual shooting of it is really, really skillful. But what, what all of the film elements bring to the story at different points, um, it's, it's, it's not just about giving it a sense of scale. It, it's it's actually about sometimes the pace of the story and the movement of the story uh, and and um, the, the 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 tension of the story uh, and then you know. The, the high stakes because everybody's fucking falling down dead in a really populous place and part of you's going because you know that it's television you go how the hell did they do this because the I mean people why is nobody gawping and pointing at the camera so there's part you've got part of that you go how the hell did they pull this off and also so yeah it looks like a train station where I would be and everyone's dying mm-hmm. and I know this is television and yet it kind of isn't looking like television
1: so you're turning on the TV at the wrong time you know, you know?
0: yeah yeah um, so yeah, and, I, and and actually the fact that it ends on a film shot as well, I think, is, yeah, is, is, that is last
1: crazy. one where the car's pulling away and yeah. or the mushroom goes on. I
0: love the fact that the, that they actually have the 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 sort of cojones to go. We'll we'll have the explosion in the distance as well. You know, we're not going to be right. It's, it's it's a kind of it's almost like it's a sort of path, you know that's how pathetic this dreadful act is. It's a flash of light quite quite a long way away uh but we know that those explosions uh are, are having a, a, a you know a, a mighty effect you know the the ramifications the uh uh you know the, the the effect that they have is is so much bigger than than how they look you know Just there popping in the distance. I think it's really, it's really, and it's
1: sort of destroying all that potential that the Doctor can see of the two races.
0: Heartbreaking.
1: You know, who knows what they could have offered us. Yeah. Uh, My, I don't know, I was was almost contrarian enough to suggest Carrie Blyton's score, which I do think is unique and memorable and weird and all of those things I do like in the music. But because he's been preying on my mind a lot, I want to say Norman Jones' major baker. Because, like, essentially, yeah, he's like the Gibbick of this story. I always use Gibbick as the worst example of that character that is just getting in everyone's way all the time and making the story a bit longer than it needs to be. Right. <laughs> and he's essentially that character. He's the one that's sort of escaping out of hospital. He's the one that's complaining about what's happening uh, in the research center, he's the one that's <clears throat> accusing the doctor of being a traitor, but it's such a thoughtful performance. Yeah, it's such a nuanced character. You really like him, and like I said earlier, he's technically right yes. as well, which which helps. So I just I just think he's a really interesting character who in later Doctor Who's would probably be a bit terrible and a bit sort of roll your eyes, and instead you want to watch him.
0: Anything that gives Norman jo- a chance to give Norman Jones his due, because I think he was a fine actor. As I say, I, I, I think he he I, I'm told by one of his relatives that in in later life, he was he was rather forlorn about the industry sort of forgetting him. And uh, I think that's very sad. Uh, but at the same time, then resisted um, overtures from the likes of us to get him on the DVDs and things. So uh, that was a shame that he allowed that to consume him because he could have actually. You know, he could have he, he could have been on all the DVDs that he only died he only died in relative terms, relatively recently. He he could have been on all those DVDs, um, but but for whatever reason, his his unhappiness with the way it turned out uh, meant that he, he you know he 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 resisted that, um, which I think is 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 rather sad. So I I'm 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 pleased that we get the opportunity to let these people live on. It, it make no difference to him because he's dead, which is very sad. But I, I'm glad that we are able to. Go no, your work. His work was valued, and I, I think he's excellent. I love it. it's just little things like when he says to Sergeant Hart, you know, oh, can you just help me with my jacket before you know clobbering it? He, he does lots of lovely little sort of touches and nuance, but then he's he, he's he's got enough uh, heft to rise to the occasions of the of the bigger stuff. Um, I I think he's also I think he's brilliant as Chrisong in in Abominable Snowmen, which is potentially yeah. a much more one note part, but I think he he brings a, a lot to that. I think he's really good in. Well, we're in
1: this we're in this bizarre advantageous position where doctor who's gone on for so long now that you have actors like does like michael sheard that have made lots of different appearances and you get to see just how diverse these actors are in different yeah. roles and those three roles um what was the third one oh um Ironymous. they're yeah. so different aren't they they're so yeah. yeah and what a
0: wonderful voice he has uh
1: I think it's yeah. at its best, you know, in *Mask of Mandragora*. It goes very deep, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't quite get on with the slightly staccato delivery he gives Hieronymus when he's been taken over by the Mandragora Helix. That I can see what he's trying to do there, doesn't quite work for me. Um, it's and it's a shame because it's a it's a great part on paper, and he looks fantastic. But it's probably my least favourite of his of his turns in *Who*. Um, but I, but I, I'm still glad he's there in in Mandragora. Uh, but um, I, I remember being slightly disappointed because I, well, I knew it was going to be him, and I thought, like, oh, brilliant, because he's one of my favourite actors, and he's playing this great part that's really good in the book. And then going, ah, and, and actually finding finding Cap Federico played by the gorgeous John lorrimore who's a bit sort yeah. of one note villain in the book.
1: <laughs> he's amazing in the, like, in the t- pant- shows.
0: fantastic.
1: He you traitor oh I love him
0: what is it you can no more tell the stars than you can tell the contents of
1: my chamber pot <laughs> oh it's gloriously camp isn't it it's won- oh
0: it's wonderful
1: <laughs> well look you know what it's quarter to twelve I'm going to let you go to bed I want to say a massive thank you because do you realise that we've managed to add on about 20 minutes to each episode. So we've technically been talking about the Silurians for about five hours now.
0: Can I apologise to your listeners? No, yeah, do you? I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah. Honestly, they love listening to you. But I want to say a massive thank you for your time. I was a
0: Doctor again. Who fan, Joey. I hate me. I think I was everywhere. I was really fucking... I up am up. a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> I
1: adore you. So Well, bless you. There you go. Um, I'm gonna try and entice you back on this thing at some point to do another one. We'll... What are we gonna do? What are you gonna tempt me with? Oh, well, oh, I don't know. Well, uh...
0: throw down the gauntlet.
1: Oh, oh now you put me on the spot.
0: Should we do a new series one? Because that's not my comfort zone. Or, oh,
1: or do I? You... I got, I got two episodes I'd love to do, and I think you'd like them. Or I think you certainly like one of them. Do you like Sound of Drums and Last of the Timelords?
0: Well interesting because i remember them being quite a, a a disappointment at the time that was the general tenor of the of the conversation at the time i i actually d- i do like them i i like the kind of urban thriller feel that they have um and and there are certain scenes that i absolutely adore certain bits that don't quite work for me um but no i do i do like them there's certainly a lot to say about them um I mean, I love all of Russell's. I'm a, I'm a sycophantic, uh, you know, ad- admirer of of what Russell T Davis brings. To doctor, uh, um, but even even though I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm aware of some things that 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 people quite rightly point out, perhaps that that don't work as well as they might. But I, I, I think everything is bought, um, with with the huge currency of that that wit that zeal that pace that heart that all of that i just think it's a miracle what he did to doctor who uh so yes,
1: my, well, my so... alternative my alternative <laughs> is a two-parter that i have grown to love a lot and i'd like to spread some love for but I how you feel about it and that is *Rise of the, Rise of the sidemen in the age of steel
0: I, I remember that being quite disappointing at the time but it's only when you look back now and you sometimes go, we don't know how lucky. How we're
1: lucky sometimes. we were. Yeah. And how <laughs> bloody chilling those side men were in that first episode.
0: Uh yeah. Um, I mean, I would of of the two, I would probably choose um Last of the Time Lords, but I'm 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 open to doing Let's
1: do that then. Let's do Sound yeah. of Drums and Last of the Time Lords.
0: All right. All right.
1: Let's talk about there. And yeah. Okay,
0: well, we, you heard I, it here first. So did we. We all heard <laughs> it here first. I've
1: got to tell you, you know, when Sound of Drums came out, I loved it so much. I must have watched that 15 times in a week leading up to Last of the Time Lords. I,
0: I already know my one my first of my three things, which is just and it's it's just a bit, but I just love it.
1: Wow, I cannot wait. Toby, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you for doing this lovely podcast and for being such an enthusiastic. We've only met for about thirty seconds, uh, <laughs> but I no. Thank you for doing this, and uh, and thank you for asking me on. it it's a great pleasure.
1: Until next time, and we're out. We are out.